0: Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Word. God, we love the fact that every time we hear it, something of you gets deposited in us. That we grow. We're not sure how. Sometimes, Lord, even our mind will struggle to grasp the enormity of some of what you say. And yet, God, we can feel like it's doing some good for us. It's helping us. I thank you, Lord, that our journey with you never ends, even when we go to heaven. Lord, you say we continue with you. We continue to see increase. So we thank you for your blessing. Father, I pray today that every heart will be open. Every mind will be alert. I pray that every one of us, God, will be able to put distraction to one side and be able to let you refresh our spirit today. In Jesus' name, amen. I always find it interesting, or more than interesting and more than certainly a coincidence, thank you, Luke, that, uh, you know, I we I don't choose the songs that we sing. That's up to the worship team to do that. And um, You know, I'm amazed how many times the songs that we sing will contain things in it that Uh, We're in the message which they wouldn't know, and I don't know what they're singing. And today I want to speak to you about a, a topic called refreshed and ready. Acts chapter 3, verse 19 says, This now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. It says, Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord, and He will again send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah. For he must remain in heaven until the time for the final restoration of all things as God promised long ago through his holy prophets. I want to speak to you about this refreshing because we understand that every believer needs times of refreshing in their life. That seasons of difficulty and circumstances of adversity can come to our life and yet the Bible here says that God will send refreshing to our life. Now I want you to understand that the word refreshing there doesn't mean uh, you sitting by the cabana, by the pool, sipping on a cool drink and enjoying a vacation. But the word refreshing there literally means the recovery of breath. In other words, this person needs refreshing, not because they've been doing nothing, but because they've been doing something. In other words, this is someone who's been laboring in the things of God. This is someone who's been continuing in the journey. And as a result of what they've been doing, they now are in a place where they need refreshing. And I want to say a massive thank you to everybody here in Metro Church. I go down into Hope, as I did on Friday, and see the great team of people serving there. Uh, Sylvia is certainly one of those and many others as well. And I see people preparing food to give away to people. I see people in the the garment and the, the clothing area preparing to give uh, necessities to people that are there. And I go, thank God for this army of people who say, God, I'm willing to work for you. I'm willing to follow you, but I also want to work for you. And this is that person that this verse about refreshing is speaking about. But you know, often God's refreshing is not a matter of I sit down and simply uh, soak it up. When the prophet Elijah got into the place where because of his exertions and efforts for God, he uh, needed refreshing. He hears the voice of God. You know the story in First Kings 19. And he goes into that cave all by himself. He isolates Because when you get worn out, you just want to be left alone. And this guy gets to the point where he just wants to be left alone. But God comes and says, what are you doing here? Why are you isolated? Why have you disconnected? Why are you allowing uh, what's happened to you to push you into the place where you're no longer available for me to use? And he says, God, you know what's been going on. I've served you. Look what's happened. I'm the only one. And isn't it amazing how when you get isolated, you can feel like you are the only one. And yet he wasn't the only one. That comes into the story a bit later. But God's refreshing to this man. God comes and speaks to him twice in that. And listen to me, the refreshing never came from the voice of the Lord. The refreshing came when the Lord says to him at the last time, he says, get up and go your way and go and anoint Haziel to be king over Syria and Elisha the son of Shaph out of Abel Mahola to be prophet in your place. In other words, he says, get up and start going because that's where the refreshing is. In 1 Samuel chapter 30, when David, who's about to be king over Judah and then a couple of years later, king over the entire United Nation of Israel. But when he gets to the point where he says he is absolutely exhausted, he's wrung out, he's got nothing more to give, there's nothing left. His mind goes back to 1 Samuel 17, when he first stood before the giant Goliath and these brothers and everybody else tried to talk him out of serving God. Tried to talk him out of it. You know, you'll just get burned out and you should, you know, you need to stop. Let someone else do it. But this young man turns around in verse 29 of 1 Samuel 17 and says this, Is there not a cause? The reality is, that one of the ways God primarily refreshes us is not by giving us a spiritual holiday, but He often refreshes us by giving us a cause, by reconnecting us with the cause for which we were first called. And David does that, gains the energy to go back and then to pursue and to recover everything that had been stolen from him. Can I say to you today, I understand what it is to be tired. I understand what it is to feel exhausted or to feel like your efforts have been, you know, just you've done everything that you could possibly do. But the reality is that sometimes what we need most is to get reconnected to the cause that we were called for. And so today I'm going to speak something here that If you've been in this church, you will have heard it often and often and often. This will not be new to you. It won't be something that you've never heard before. But I'm praying today that the Holy Spirit is going to take this and begin to refresh your soul. Maybe your body's tired. Good, you need a break for your body. But if your spirit gets tired, then what you need is not to stop, but to rediscover the light that shines on the path of where you've got to go. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. John 18 and verse 37, Jesus sitting before Pilate says this to him, or standing before Pilate. Pilate was sitting. Uh, but he says this Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? And Jesus answered and said, You say rightly that I'm a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I've come into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth. Here's my voice. In other words, there was more than simply to gather followers. Jesus had crowds. They came from everywhere. But His goal was not a crowd. His goal was a church. Matthew chapter 20 and verse 28 says that He gave His life as a ransom for many. And here at Metro Church, we have declared for years that we share His cause And we say it like this. We've tried lots of ways, but I wanted to give people something so succinct, something so brief that they could just grab it. Here's how we say it, that Metro Church exists to win the lost and to grow the saved. Just six words, win the lost, grow the saved. That's why we're here. We declare to you today that we serve a Savior who's ready to save. We declare that there is more than just this life. That there's something greater than simply the outer world that you see or that you enjoy. There's something greater than simply the accoutrement, if you like, of religion, the the uh, ornate things that people say uh, uh, are what constitutes a church. But we say to you that there is something far greater than that, that there is something intrinsic in the very core of what it means to be a church, and that is that we have embraced the cause of the Savior, I believe that the thing that matters most to God is that a church be about the cause of Christ. That a church be about reaching people that are lost and then growing those people when they come to Christ, discipling them. That's why our yes text doesn't stop at thirty days of prayer in Bible, uh, Bible verses, but it goes on for another uh, five. Well, it's five hundred twenty in all, isn't it? It's a year and a half of online discipleship. If you say, I need to be discipled, just sign up for yes text. Yes uh, at metrochurch.org.au is the simple way, or yes.metrochurch rather. Uh, and you know I'll give you all the numbers and everything a bit later, of course. But, but I want you to understand that because some of you here might go, Jeff, how do I grow in Christ? Well, you begin by embracing the cause of Christ. 1 John chapter 5, verse 11 and 12 says this, and this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. Not will give us when we die, but has given us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. He or she who has the Son has life. And he or she who does not have the Son of God doesn't have that kind of life. You might be living, but you are missing out on the life of God that comes when you receive Christ into your life. And so I believe in the Saviour. I believe in the Saviour more than I believe in a doctrine and more than I believe in a force. I am so glad. Uh, You know, I'm amazed always when I read scientific kind of books and psychology books. And they often, I read one last night, a chapter about the history of literature through the world. That's what the book's about. And about different forms of it. And this one was about the Bible. And the guy's quoting the Bible. But he stops short of what the Bible is all about. The Bible is not a book of literature. The Bible is a book that reveals the Saviour of the world. And there it is right there in 1 John 5. This is the testimony that God has given to us. Eternal life and it's in His Son. And so don't look at religion. Don't look at what people say about God. Look at the Saviour who's there. I'm glad that there's someone called Jesus who saves. Amen. I was not saved by a doctrine, by a church, by a denomination. I was saved by someone who cares. I was saved by someone who loves. I was saved. My sins were forgiven by a someone. Amen. Not by me. You can forgive yourself all you like. And for some people, that's not a bad place to start. But we live for the cause of representing Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20 says, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. Well, you know, if I was to go to Canberra and go to the US embassy or the Chinese embassy or the uh, British embassy, pick a country, If I was to go to their embassy and meet the ambassador, I wouldn't think I'm meeting the country. I'm simply meeting the one who represents that country. And the ambassador, no matter how gifted or polished, none of them are it. They don't contain the entirety of it. And when you meet a Christian, I hope that you are meeting someone who represents Christ. But if they don't do it perfectly, understand they were never able to. They are representing the one who's perfect, but they're not. They're representing the one who's got it all, but they don't. We are ambassadors for Christ. That's not an excuse for poor living or poor character. But the truth is, no preacher, no leader, no Christian is it. We believe in the Savior who saves. Amen? We believe in the Savior. Oh, this is not heavy arms oh, telling you stuff that everyone is going to go, yeah, I, I know that already, Jeff. But I want you today to almost catch a fresh glimpse. We'll share communion at the end of this service. And I want you when you're holding your hand that piece of the bread that represents his body. And when you're holding your hand the cup that represents his blood. I want you to be able to say, God, I'm glad it was someone who saved me. Jesus is the hope. Amen. Oh, yeah, yes. I believe in the Savior who saves. And secondly, I believe in the church that he died for. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 says this Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church. And I always think that's got to be the hardest verse in the entire Bible. I'd get it if it said, Husbands, do your best to love your wives. But he doesn't. He says, Husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, for the church, so that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. He says, that's what I gave my life for, but we're not there yet. You've only got to have been a Christian for a relatively short while and you will discover that the church at this point is not yet without spot or wrinkle. It's not yet holy and without blemish or without reproach. But it doesn't prevent the beauty and the power of the church being the thing that he died for. More than any denomination... More than any brand. Look, I'm a part of a denomination. I'm the deputy national president. I'm the international chairman of Christian Outreach Centre, also known as International Network of Churches. And oh, what a glorious and beautiful thing. It is to be a part of a family. But if you were to ask me, Jeff, uh, you know, where does it sit, your brand, your thing? I'd go, I oh, know, first of all, there's Jesus. And then secondly, after that comes this thing called The Church. And then after that, somewhere in the, in the mix of what follows after is our particular brand or label. That's why for some of you, you're going to sit there and go, I didn't know that my pastor was this. You know, he was somebody in the thing, you know, he had a title. Uh, and the reason I don't ever tell you is because quite frankly, I don't think it's that important. It's important in a structural way or it's important in a helping or caring way. I get phone calls every week from pastors all over Australia and sometimes even further abroad uh, as a part of my role and out of relationship, and I love that. I love the local church, particularly this one. This church, it's the only church I've ever pastored, which is why I'm, I'm still practicing. Uh, you know, I haven't discovered how to do it properly yet and uh, hang around a little bit longer. Thank you for letting me practice on you. But more than any local church, I believe in that church. I believe in that church. That's the bride of Christ. I attended online the wedding of Joel Mohan and, and Ifun. Uh, in, they were in Malaysia. I was supposed to be there this weekend to be a part of the service for them. But, you know, I watched this young couple. I watched Joel make his vows to Ifun. And he looked at her like if he had searched and personally interviewed 5,999,999,999 other people, he never would have found one like her. I looked at this guy so intensely proud, not only of her, but proud of himself, to be honest. Look at what happened. Look at this amazing gift to my life. And You know, I want you to know that when the Bible talks about us being the bride of Christ, Jesus feels no less about the church. Jesus is not ashamed of the church. He's not embarrassed about the church. Jesus is not critical of the church. Jesus is not somebody who wishes there was a plan B other than the church. Jesus loves the church. Amen. And despite all of its failures, the failures of the church in history, despite the sins of some of the leaders of churches in history, despite the flaws of people in the church, that's us. I still believe in the church. I still believe it's the greatest thing on the planet, bar none. I believe there is no organization more important than the church of Jesus Christ. Why? Because it's the only thing on earth that God wants to take to heaven. Think about that a minute. There is not another thing. He's not going to take the earth. The Bible says, in the end, he'll wipe it out, make a new heavens and a new earth. He's not taking any of that. He's not taking any organization. What he's coming back? The only thing he's looking for from the earth is a bride. And he's going to take that to heaven for eternity with him. It's a pretty special thing. Second Peter, or sorry, First Peter, chapter one, verse twelve. This is what it says in the Message version. All they were told was that they were serving you. You who by orders from heaven have now heard for yourselves through the Holy Spirit the message of those prophecies fulfilled. Do you realize how fortunate you are? Now watch this. Angels would have given anything to be in on this. Angels look at the church. When we worship every Sunday... Or whenever we gather together, angels look in and go, I wish I could do that. Or oh, they can sing and they can sing better than you. They can see all the glory of heaven better than you can. But they can't be the part of the bride. They're, they're ministering spirits. But they look at the church and go, wow, I wish I could have been in on that. That's the church. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. Behold, what man of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know Him. Beloved, now are we the children of God and it's been revealed, has not been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when He's revealed, we will be like Him for we will see Him as He is. And everyone who has this hope in them purifies themselves just as He is pure. The world sees what the church does. I said to someone a week ago, you know, you love what the church does, but you don't love what the church believes. You love the fact that we help the poor. You love that we're going to pray tonight for the Ukraine and that in that service, there'll be an opportunity to give to people that are making a difference in the Ukraine, in that war-torn place. You love that. You love all the things that the church has done down through history. But you don't love what we believe. You don't want us to talk about that. You don't want us to say that we are sinners in need of a Saviour. You don't want us to say that there are moral consequences for the way we live our life. But you love what we do. You see what we do. God's people look at the way the church is. Right now there's lots of discussion, always has been, about the church and this brand or that brand or this kind or that kind. But if you read that passage right, you'll understand God isn't looking at what the church does. He's not looking at what the church is. He's looking at what we are becoming. Beloved, it does not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when He appears, we're going to be like Him. Don't you know that right now Jesus is looking at you going, Father, they don't look yet like they're going to look. But they're going to be amazing. They're going to be filled with glory the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. There's something profound and there's something sacred about this cause. I'm all for everybody getting involved and doing whatever they can, but you know, your politics, your activism may last some years, perhaps even a few generations. But this cause that we are a part of is for eternity. It goes beyond now. Everything you do, I think about it most weeks and about all the great army of people in this church who do small things. If you go down to hope, they're, they're not standing behind a pulpit. They're not prophesying. They're taking a bag of veggies. I watched Naheda on Friday chopping up cucumber, chopping up veggies and putting them into packets so that people who maybe don't have all the utensils can take them home and use them straight away. And I look at someone doing that or I look at the two Silvias, Sylvia Squared, we call them. We look at the two Silvias down there, two ladies who probably retired from their jobs well, a few years ago. and uh, But there they are making a difference and I look at people like that and I go, you are helping to change someone's eternity. Somebody is going to somewhere on the way go, you know what? I remember those people. I remember the love they had for me. I remember how they accepted me and never treated me as an embarrassment, but just because the greatest gift we give people in hope is not food or clothing. The greatest gift we give them is value. They already have it, but we remind them of it. What a beautiful thing that is. This cause is for eternity. What we do, we don't do for now. Someone asked me the other day, they said, do you ever get discouraged with some of the things that happen in the big church world? I said, no, I don't. Well, I kind of do, but not for very long. I said, the reality is that that church continues on. All the philosophers that have declared that it wouldn't survive, they're dead and they've got tombstones over them. And the church is still alive. Amen. Anytime you want to get people telling you, all oh, that's wrong, just say, yeah, but you don't understand we're not there yet. We're still on the journey. And He's taking us somewhere. And one day we're going to hear the music playing. I don't think it'll be Here Comes the Bride, but it'll be something beautiful. And the angels will be singing it. And the bride will come walking into the New Jerusalem and come walking in. And there'll be the groom stepped off the throne where he sits at the right hand of the father and he will turn to his father and say, Father, this is what I died for. Look at her now. Radiant and beautiful and glorious and powerful. You say, that's what I died for. And all of heaven will say, thank God it's worth it. Let me finish by reading to you Ephesians chapter 1 out of the message version. And then we're going to begin to share communion together. Matter of fact, while I'm reading this, team, if you'd come and begin to serve, if you're a guest here today, uh, we don't own this table. You're welcome to join us. This is a table spread by Jesus. What we do here is everybody takes a piece of the bread and the cup, and then we hold it, and then we'll stand and eat and drink together as the family of God, as the bride of Christ that we are. If you're at home with us online, you get ready for that as well. Join with us wherever you are. This is what Ephesians 1 verse 11 says. Thank you. It's in Christ that we find out who we are. Watch this. And what we are living for. Because it's not just about now. There's something, listen to me. There's something beyond your now. If you are struggling, oh, I pray you'll keep on going. Because there's something beyond your now. Long ago before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, He had His eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose He's working out in everything and everyone. It's in Christ that you, once you heard the truth and believed that this message of your salvation, found yourselves home free, signed, sealed and delivered by the Holy Spirit. This signet from God is the first instalment on what's coming. This here is a reminder that we'll get everything God has for us, a praising and victorious life. That's why when I first heard of the trust that you have in the Master Jesus and your outpouring of love to all the Christians, I couldn't stop thanking God for you. Every time I prayed, I'd think of you and give thanks. But I do more than thank, I ask. I ask the God of our Master Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent and discerning in knowing Him personally. Your eyes focused and clear so you can see exactly what it is He's calling you to do. Grasp the immensity of this glorious way of life He has for Christians. Oh, the utter extravagance of His work in those who trust Him. Endless energy. Boundless strength. Remember what I said in the beginning? Our energy and our strength doesn't come from out of our personality or our circumstance. It comes out of being connected to the cause for which Christ died. All this energy, it says in verse 20, issues from Christ. God raised Him from death, set Him on a throne in deep heaven in charge of running the universe. Everything from galaxies to governments. His name and His power, nothing's exempt from His rule. Not just for the time being, but forever. He's in charge of it all and has the final word on everything. At the center of all this, watch this Christ rules the church. Not a denominational leader, not a preacher. Not any other person. No committee runs it at the centre of it all. I believe this. I believe that my life and my family's life has been built around this. has been our anchor point. Not what someone did, someone said. Not whether someone rises or falls. But at the centre of all this, Christ rules the church. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world thinks it is. But according to God, the world is peripheral to the church. It's on the outskirts. The church is Christ's body in which He speaks and acts, by which He fills everything with His presence. What a beautiful thing. I don't know about you, but I thank God, whether I was pastor or not, whether I was leader in a pulpit or not, this would be my life, that I would say, Jesus... I'm, I'm giving my life for your cause. Your cause of reaching people. Your cause of sharing the good news of Christ. Sometimes with words, more often with deeds. Letting people sense that there's something greater than just human existence. There's something supernatural and something eternal inside the heart of every one of us. And Lord, your church, whatever name it carries. People are a bit surprised when I tell them that there are people in this church from not only 85 nationalities, but there are people from about 85 denominations. i never forget the South African Minister for Sport was in church here once, along with the Springboks, their rugby union team. I didn't know who he was, I only found it out later, but he came to me and he said, tell me how you do this. Like he thought I did it. I said, do what? He said, how do you get such a diverse group of people to all walk together in agreement? I said, well, it's pretty easy, really. I said, we're all gathered around one cause. I said, that's why we're here. I said, everything else is peripheral. Every other argument, every other idea, every other concept, every other agenda is way back there. First of all, We follow Christ. Secondly, we celebrate His church. The bride He's come for. Amen. Stand with me a minute, would you? You hold it in your hand right now. You hold in your hand the bread. Jesus said, this is my body broken for you. It represents His sacrifice. And so we take it not with familiarity, but we take it with gratitude to God. Thank you, Jesus, for saving us. Maybe it's a long time since you got saved. Can you just pause a little minute? Just say, Lord, I'm so grateful for that moment. Maybe you're in a difficult spot right now. But God, God, I'm glad you saved me. Father, thank you for that today in Jesus' name. Thank you for the cup that represents your blood. Shed for us for the forgiveness of sin. Thank you that we can walk in freedom and righteousness before you in Jesus' name. Let's eat and drink together. Amen. Just while you're standing, let's sing it again. I would just want more. I just want more of you, Lord. Let it be your prayer right now. Maybe you're in need of refreshing today. Maybe you're you know I think the last couple of years have been challenging for a lot of people I don't think I've ever met so many leaders that have stumbled as I have during this last couple of years you know the answer is not well you need to to quit the answer is reconnect reconnect with the cause come on just take a minute where you are this is not a message to push you it's a message to encourage you I just want to I just want more, more of you. Amanda, I'm, I know you've told me the story. You were a young teenager, weren't you, when you gave your life to Christ? Yeah. Pretty much. Was it a Youth Alive rally or something like that? No, it was just regular youth service. Regular youth service. If someone had said to you that, saying that prayer, because you've told me a bit of your story, and we'll save that for another time, but let me just let everyone know you, it wasn't, you weren't raised in a Christian home or a faith-filled home, but you go to this thing, someone says if you will ask Jesus into your life and you did it yeah. you did it at that moment did it was it an instant to change did you just go that's it tell us it was <laughs> it changed cra- my life forever wow a completely different person wow. walking out now you've got a degree in social work is that so you you've been involved in the study of helping people to change How do you fit that in with what you just said? Because the world, the government, everything else says it's incremental change, you need education. And what you said is you simply asked Jesus to come in and your whole life changed. That's what you just said. Because God gives us the capacity to change. I don't feel like we have the capacity within ourselves to bring that that So Christianity is not a self-help, try and get better, I'm going to try and stop that bad behavior. Christianity is you allow Jesus to come in and do something supernatural in your life. Yeah, and He works on the inside of our hearts. I think that's wonderful. You know, if you're a part of this service, or you're with us online, wherever you are, maybe you're watching this uh, in the next couple of weeks, because I know that more people actually are a part of these services after than they are in the, the exact instant of life. But maybe that's you. And I wanted to ask Amanda that because I know for some people I go, yeah, but I've tried. And I go, but what have you tried? And usually it means I've I've tried to turn over a new leaf. I've tried to get better. But there's a Saviour who saves. Amen. You don't get into the church because you've cleaned yourself up. He puts you in the church because you've said yes to Him. And I want to pray for people right now, wherever you are, in the building here in front of me right now you say Jeff I don't know Jesus Jeff I know a bit about religion or church but I'm I don't really have Christ in my life I'd like to invite him into the deep inner part of my life I want him to save me or you're with us online you're at home right now you're at your workplace in your break right now you're saying I want Jesus in my life Let's give your yes to Christ today father I pray for those people Pray that today they will allow you to come in and do what only you can do, like Amanda just said. All the best intentions, all the parental pressure, none of that changed her life. It was Jesus coming in. So I thank you for the people that will say yes to you today. Thank you for their simple opening of a door that will forever change their life and their future. In Jesus' name. Amen.